A new report by the Ethnic Behavioral Monitoring Unit shows Muslim boys as young as six years old are being forced to grow beards. For a period, all government departments had to adopt an imam as their way of understanding and building trust with Muslim communities. They became, for some departments, a lucky mascot. The business world, never one to ignore an opportunity, started to adopt imams to appeal to their Muslim customers and as a way of conducting customer research. Imams quickly became the right answer to all Muslim problems and as a way to access the Muslim pound. Are you a Muslim who can't access mental health services? Are you finding it hard to navigate school life? Or are you simply fed up that your dal doesn't taste like your mum's? Or why you always burn your hands when you flip the roti? Then you need to call Imams Who Can on 786-786-786. I'm a manager of a large supermarket in London and I wanted to attract the large meat-eating Muslim market. And what did I do? I called Imams Who Can. I love their philosophy. Any problem, any Muslim, anywhere. Imams who can. Imams you can. Call today. Muslim entrepreneurs, sensing white businesses were using a mixture of good-luck imams and fear of Islam to make money, decided to take action and reclaim their heritage. These wily businessmen, sensing that money could be made out of the fear, started to build exotic neighbourhoods that felt dangerously Muslim. They created ads to attract the trendy and middle class, enticing them to pay for trips to these areas, to experience the danger of the burqa disappearing around the corner, the call of the adhan, not once, not twice, but five times a day, and, of course, the Muslim Punjabi men who laughed too loudly. It became known as the Muslim hustle, making money out of the fear. Because why not? The fear became the one constant and united all Muslims. All right, everyone, tour is about to leave, journey into the minds of the Muslims and their inscrutable religion. Yes, madam. An extra five pounds to shake the imam's hand. No touching of the beers, that is strictly off limits. Once you're in your Ford Cortina with your imam, the first stop on the tour will be to follow the trail of how this part of London became Muslim town. Keep an eye out for the multi-complex mosque, larger than any cinema complex in the country, and the biggest dome in the world. Any questions? Yes, madam. Will we get to see how a conversion happens? That's the immersive part of the trip, madam. Just choose from the menu selection here. Prison conversion, street corner conversion, marriage conversion, or chicken shop conversion. Mm. Never been in a prison before. Might be quite exciting. Prison conversion... Black Muslim, white Muslim, brown Muslim, with beard or without beard? Uh, might as well go the whole hog. Black Muslim with beard, please. And scary as you like. Ah, I can't wait. Can, can I just ask why hipsters are so angry with your tours? I've heard they've been trying to sabotage them. Well, they were worried that we're taking their land and fashion away from them. I heard one of these hipsters say that the beard wasn't a Muslim thing first and that they have to travel further to get their beard oil now. Land and beard oil has made them really angry. So you can see why we have extra security here. Amir, say hello to one of our customers. I was just telling them about the angry hipsters you have to deal with. Oh, my days. Tell me about it, bruv. But we've got them under control now, like. 
Sometimes you get a few of them trying to pass us like Muslims, but we've gone through special training to spot them in it, bruv, yeah? They can't even say roti properly, waste mans. Like white people, yeah, they eat their words like they're eating crisps, while like we savour them in our mouths like we're eating pratas, bruv. Like, sometimes, yeah, we shout out, uh, Astaghfirullah, we offer them free pulled pork and Negronis, yeah, and we just see who responds. <laughs> it's their weakness, man. Like, these people, they're like meerkats, yeah, eyes wide open, head swiveling this way, that way. Bruv, they love their haram stuff, you know. Thank you, Amir. So anyway, uh, let, let's keep moving. Look, Amir, too much information, all right? Don't give this stuff away. Save it, and then we can use it for ourselves. All right, yeah, yeah, scheme, scheme, yeah. Yeah, besides, if we don't, they will. Inside the board cortina, please note that some have green Arabic writing on the inside, and every car has a tissue box at the back. They will keep constantly moving around and falling on you, but that is part of the charm. Right, it's Bethany and Becky will be leading the way, and please, if you have any questions, feel free to ask in between the announcements. Thank, Thank you. you. This is actually our second time, and I was scared the first time, especially when I first heard the azan. I thought, that's it. I'm in a suicide car like that Steven Spielberg film but we didn't crash into anything. <laughs> nah, nah. Nah, nah, we, we, we definitely don't do that. And now as we go through Muslim town, do not make eye contact with any of the bearded men, especially as we make a stop at the next Muslim curry house for an authentic taste of Islamic food. This is our stop coming up. Everyone out, please. Here we have some food stalls selling lassies and chais. $8.99 for a lassie? It's worth it, darling, believe me. The milk and ice come from a special village in Kashmir that involves bypassing checkpoints. So you have the secret ingredients of danger in each drink as well. This is known as the Baker's Arms Cocktail. Now, before we carry on the next drink, we just have to carry out some checks. These are random and do not discriminate in any way at all. But we'll be conducting some checks and looking through your bags and uh, some additional very informal questions. Amir, can you start the checks please? Everyone keep moving, elbows in, elbows in. Right, okay, so let's have a look here. What you got in this, what you got in this? Right, okay, so you've got a book on great English cities. Why would you have a book like this? I just like reading history. Okay, well, have you got books on like proper cities like Lahore or Mogadishu? No, I'm just interested in English cities. Right then. When was the glorious revolution? I don't know. Well then, madam, I guess we're going to have to take this book away, innit? And looking at some of these pictures of, like, steeples and trees, we'll definitely be photocopying some of these pages. And once we've done that, yeah, we'll return it to you so that like, you can carry on. Uh, is everything OK? Well, boss, there's something not right about her, you know? Who likes steeples and trees? I think we need to watch that one, you know? Record everything she says. And, if necessary, we detain. <laughs> Let's get the next event ready. Come on. Make sure the azan is really loud and then let the goats come running across the streets. And can we get some of the sisters to look more suspicious? Today's group looked too, uh, too, too friendly and they shouldn't be laughing and they shouldn't be wearing coloured clothes. Eventually, we learned about the secret government boutique pop-ups that were funded to attract the perfume-loving Muslim market. These proved hugely popular with brands such as Le Jihadi Jardim and Scent of Shame. This led to new evidence on how to spot extremist Muslims who for so long had been successful in hiding behind a nice smell.
Hello, welcome to The Future is Muslim. The podcast that uses a dangerous dose of absurd humour with a side of serious chat to take a closer look at what it means to be Muslim today and in the future. I'm Latifa Akai. And I'm Rahil Mohammed, and this is a Maslaha podcast. And we're really lucky to be joined by Amna Sleem. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Um, Amna's a a comedy writer, a screenwriter, and she's got a bunch of really exciting, interesting stuff coming up. That we're not allowed to talk about. That we're not allowed to talk about. But yeah, it'll be coming, hopefully. Well, I'm not going to say, why am I suddenly like, <laughs> describing like, when it's coming? coming? Yeah, coming to screen. Yeah, coming to screen. Video. <laughs> no, I love it. Promote it away. It doesn't exist here, but it's happening. Uh, so, Amna, we've just heard the sketches and um, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there about the whole idea of the Muslim spectacle or the Muslim safari. Like, what were your thoughts? Um, I've mentioned this before, but with an accent that doesn't match my face, apparently. I'm very familiar with the the spectacle. Um, people trying to figure you out without saying anything. You can almost see the the cog cogs turning. Mm. Cogs. Yeah. Cogs turning <laughs> in their brain before they get to. Oh no! But where are you really, really from? Um, and apparently, saying my dad's boss is inappropriate. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that here. Mm-hmm. Rahel, what did you, like, you wrote this, you wrote the buster, was it yeah. based on anything Muslim time? Yeah, so I sort of listened to um, this podcast, really good podcast called 99% Invisible, and they do a whole bunch of stuff about sort of architecture and history and design, and there's one podcast about how, like, sort of Chinatown, like, came into being in San Francisco, um, and, and just other Chinatowns in, in the States, and... Um, so basically, there was there was this Chinatown, um, and around the time that this kind of grew up, there were loads of really racist immigration policies. No way. Yeah, <laughs> um, really racist housing policies, and then there was this massive, massive earthquake. I think in 1906, and it basically just destroyed most of the city. And a lot of the kind of public sort of planners and sort of public officials wanted to use that as an excuse to sort of drive the Chinese community out of the city onto sort of like the outskirts mm. um but while so while but while they were there there used to be these tours that would happen so like there was this kind of fantasy image of like the chinese community and so like uh white people would go on these kind of like um slum tours as the kind of podcast describes it where you kind of like get you get to see the opium den or you kind of get to see chinese people gambling and you know, the podcast talks about actually pr- probably some of this was actually just staged. And then I was just thinking, you know, th- there are sort of parallels in the way that Muslims are kind of like portrayed now. Like what what would happen if we kind of like staged our made own... Made some money. Made some money out of yeah. it. I mean, if <laughs> the we're going to get... Hustle. Yeah, the Muslim hustle. Like yeah. If we're going to get um, portrayed in the kind of like, in a scary way, let's sort of like have some benefit for it. That's... You capitalize on her own. Yeah. yeah. It's so weird though because I've been to Chinatown in San Francisco um, and little Italy is not that far. Okay. But you don't hear the same kind of a curiosity about mm. little Italy. And I mean, pasta is amazing, so there should be more. <laughs> like, but, I'm there. Yeah, I would love that. Um, but Chinatown was really, it was great. And it was one of the most affordable places in San Francisco, which is just a terrible hellhole mm. money pit right. um so yeah that's sad that they were they tried to drive them out but like i can say that that did not work yeah so mm. i'm very happy 
But I wonder what a safari for white people would be like. So we're like, <laughs> there's I just like, like a head yeah. party with penis straws. <laughs> like, what what exactly is happening? And they're talking like, they're talking about what else pension. would there be? Yeah, yeah. what else yeah. would what there else? be? People talking about pensions. They're pensions. not talking about pensions. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> yeah. And then what they're going to do to retire, they're going to go to Mallorca or the yeah. south of France. And they'd be talking about doing countries. I've done 40 countries. Mm, and then complaining <laughs> yeah. that no one speaks English in Ibiza. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... I feel like our whole life is a safari for white yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, white people in yeah. their natural um, habitat that we are apparently now invading. Yeah. Successfully, I may yeah. I add. You obviously, so you're from Glasgow and I, I'm from Belfast. And I'm, so I know what it's like to kind of come to like be like othered in a in a kind of like in a in a place where I mean it could be a, it could be like rural England it could be anywhere out of a, like a city but also there's something about the Celtic kind of like and the accent that comes with it and how that really like throws people off I think you become like an instant novelty yeah, exactly. do you know what I get so much free stuff because mm. of this accent and confusing face good I'm glad oh, it's so coming back to you yeah I'm actually I, I complain but it, it really works in my favor yeah. I think yeah, this is in my hair. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> but how do you think that plays in, like, so obviously in this sketch, there's this kind of like tour of like Muslim town and this idea of this, like all the spectacle, the potential for spectacle. <clears throat> and how do you feel like, do you feel like somewhere like Glasgow or in Scotland, is that, is it different there? Like, is there a sense that like... We have yeah. one street in yeah. Pog Shields. Okay, let's hear about it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> That's it though. That, this is why I think it's um, so interesting because I... I I didn't come to London until I was 21. So mm. my whole experience really was Pollock Shields, which is one long street. And I, oh God, I'm going to get killed because I don't, can't even remember what the street's called. And it's, and it's infamous. Um, that my dad would, so every Sunday my dad will wash his car and his dhoti, which, and sandals. Oh God. <sighs> and the neighborhood kids would come and watch because... <laughs> That oh was my a god, thing. that could be on the, the yeah. tour. Yeah. Yeah. It was, but yeah, I, like a grown man in like w- what's essentially a long skirt and sandals blading Punjabi music while washing his fancy car. Um, I love that we're very working class, but my dad really needed to always have a nice BMW, of course. <laughs> okay. Um, and all the neighborhood come kids watching and me and my sister just like dying of embarrassment and then when my dad didn't come out people would be like is he okay <laughs> so it was such an interesting I love experience that. it yeah, was really that's it, a beautiful example yeah of, it yeah. kind of became yeah. sweet after a while um yeah but it was bizarre yeah um so yeah we had park shields and there'd be bobby's which is the the cassette shop and my dad would go in and we'd be, ugh, he, he would be like, all right, well, he's going to be 10 minutes. And we knew he was going to be two hours. So then eventually we would go in and we'd pick our DVDs, which were totally illegal. And um, just beg our parents to get back in the car and take us home. But then buy samosas and things. So it was really nice. But that was that was the kind of the limit of my experience. Oh, and the jewellery shops. Oh, those were beautiful. But that one street. Mm. And then I came to London and I was like, oh, my God, yeah. like everything that I could possibly want. So every time I'm in London now, my mom's like, can you get this, this and this? And I'm like, no, yeah. do it yourself. <laughs> like, I'm not coming yeah. here to go to East London to pick up all your <laughs> To Green stuff. Street. Oh. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, I can get it back then anyway. It's like, yeah, you can. Stop asking me. She, she's She has a problem. Mm. She's psychics and material. Those are her problems. Driving me mad. <laughs> Psychics, as in 
psychics. She is weirdly obsessed with psychics and she keeps asking them about my love life because she wants to know when I'm getting married. So she has lost hope in me that she has had to start calling psychics to be reassured that her daughter is one day going to be married. Um, And they have, at this point, told her that, yeah, she will, don't worry, you're fine. But um, their enthusiasm has waned as the years have gone on. I think dreams is another one that kind of like comes into like, I had this dream about something like a parent will say that and then they'll have to go and get it interpreted and <clears throat> normally a goat gets killed in yeah. Pakistan to kind of like ward off the evil spirits. Oh, they do love it. I hate <laughs> when they make you name the goat and then they kill it. I, that's horrible. <laughs> oh, God. And like I said, I remember that happened. My brother went through a very traditional experience and then we had a goat to celebrate and um, we did not know what was happening. So the goat became our best friend. And then uh, the next day when we asked where the goat was, they were like, oh, you ate it. Which is one of the most traumatizing oh, wow. experiences of my life. Um, you would think I was a vegan, but I love Gimma too much. So oh. it was not enough to put me off. Mm. But um, yeah, and I was called a boy like all day because I wore jeans and only boys wear jeans. Yeah, Pakistan's a trip. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And then they tried to um, perform an exorcism on me while my dad was at the bazaar or something because I played under a haunted tree and wouldn't stop wearing jeans. And then my dad came home and said, no, she's just really annoying. She's not possessed. <laughs> so that. that was fun. <laughs> but my experience in Scotland was very different. Mm. Um, coming to London was great because I felt like I'd probably, I feel like a lot of people have perhaps done this. Um, especially if you're like a brown Muslim or a black Muslim, mm-hmm. you kind of whitewash yourself a little bit because you want to fit in when you really are the only person of colour, as I was. Um, so coming to London kind of made, gave me the confidence mm. to um, just be exactly who I am. And that's mm. that was something I really needed and I didn't have in Scotland, even though like I'm extremely happy to be from there. Um, yeah. You don't know what you're missing until you find it. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that was very earnest of me. <laughs> Like, do you think there's something about like writing and like maybe writing comedies specifically that kind of brings out that allows you to explore stuff? Well, yeah, I I did not get enough attention as a child, so this is exactly where I need to be because I can't afford the spotlight. (laughs) Yeah, I can't afford therapy, and the NHS line is far too long. So this is my therapy of getting the attention I deserve. Because you know, if you have South Asian parents, by the time you turn like six, you become a maid. And then you end up becoming, you end up looking after your younger siblings. Fact. That's it. You then like, it is, it's intense. Um, I but no, I mean, today. it was yeah. all great. I'm, yeah, I should go to therapy. But, but also, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag reflection. <laughs> but it's also that thing, isn't it? Of like being, if you are really, if you feel really different and you're made to feel really different mm-hmm. in a context, then you're kind of forced to also develop a sense of humour and like personality to oh, kind of like yeah. self defence mechanism. Off. Yeah, for sure. like when I remember when I think of myself in like um, in school, in secondary school especially, I was like, wow, I was a weirdo, but I managed to like <laughs> float. I managed to get by really like well, and like you know, and but we were the only like Muslim kids in the school, and like it was like it was Northern Ireland, and like you know. It's, you know, we all know Northern Ireland in its kind of ways. Famously like, peaceful. Yeah, exactly. Famously peaceful and diverse. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it was a, uh, yeah. And I oh, and I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I did have to kind of play up particular things. Oh, and for kind sure. of be You have to be really self-depreciating and like really. 
And like I talk about this with my sister sometimes about like that kind of thing about my older sister lives in the US and she always says that people are not used to like people not bigging themselves up constantly. Yes, I know yeah. that now. And it's yeah. like, yeah. And, and she's always just like, I feel like it's like, she was like, I just can't take myself seriously. It's this like kind of this, this constant going back to like self-depreciating. And I think that's a kind of mechanism that some of us have to like develop. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely guilty of it. Yeah. I just... I think when you have experiences like I remember we were doing the gay gardens um, because we were just a super cool high school, um, and this this boy had to dance with me and he rolled his sleeves up so they were covering his hands because he didn't want them the brown to rub off, and it's That's like when horrible. you grow up with those kind of tiny things happening, mm. you have to have some sort of defense mechanism because you're either mm. going to like cry in the corner every day. Or you're going to fight back in the only way you know how. Mm. And sometimes that ends up being making fun of yourself before someone else can do it. Because yeah. then mm. they t- you take the punch out of it. That yeah. makes sense. Because yeah. I don't like, I mean, I hate that we have to bring up 9-11. But um, I don't remember 9-11. Be- I mean, everyone remembers 9-11. That was weird. Yeah. Um, mostly because Kylie Minogue's um, Can't Get You Out of My Head song came out. And everyone had seen the video except me. And they just kept talking about it. And I was very jealous because how did I miss this? So I spent the whole day dying to go home so I could watch it, so I could talk to kids. Um, And then the next thing I know, I'm in chemistry class watching this horrible thing happen on TV. Mm. And it was so, I just remember going from, I need to see Kayla Minogue's new video to, oh, wow, my whole life is different now. Mm. It was such a weird, surreal experience. Yeah, that's wow. I mean, I didn't I didn't remember the Kylie Minogue thing, but that's a kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah that's a really, thank you for sharing that. It feels like we're almost stuck that day after 9-11. Mm. That, that, that constant, mm. like that hasn't gone away. It's like we've been like, stunted. Yeah, like there's almost this sort of, because um, there's a generation of children growing up where they, they have constantly seen themselves being portrayed as risky, dangerous. Mm. Um, they are just about to do something. Do you know what I mean? You just can't quite trust them. Mm. Um, yeah, and it is so sad that it is in, like, it's literally in, we were, we've been talking a lot about prevent, the kind of government's counter-extremism strategy and how that impacts kids at school and, like, we one of our programs at Maslaha Muslim Girls Fence, which is kind of like combining like creative kind of arts and sport of fencing, and then spaces for Muslim girls to tell their stories in their own terms, basically. Um, and basically, in that project, we consistently all of the participants talk about the ways that they know they're seen, and they're like 11, 12, 13, yeah. about this kind of the stereotypes of being a terrorist, being a victim, being being silent, being a housewife, being a this, being a that. And like, it is really sad when you stop and think about it. It's like, these are kids and um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Oh no, sorry. I just, for girls and women as well, like misogyny. So like you have racism and misogyny and it's like, you you can't get a break. It's almost changing that kind of reference point. Like not having, I mean, it's even like when I think about certain reports that are written or articles that are written, the kind of, the starting point is something negative. Mm. like we don't get to sort of set the baseline yeah or that there has to be a baseline you know mm. like it's not that it's always fluid but it's every report starts with like a policy report an academic report starts with this is the problem this mm. you know th- and it's kind of problematizing you know all of us and it feels like there wasn't there was a period before 9-11 and you know when things like goodness gracious me were on oh, amazing like, on tv and you know, uh, 
like I'm sure like Bollywood was like a really big thing, like Nitin Sawney and Tao Bing. Like, yeah, no, it, like, it was really cool to be Asian. And like every, um, <laughs> there was like, always these songs that somehow all of a sudden had like Punjabi in them. Yeah. yeah. Um, which was weird now that yeah. I think about it, but yeah. that was a thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's yeah. so, it's very strange. Yeah. So Amna, I don't know if you've kind of like experienced this, but like in some of the work that we do, whether it's in education, health or criminal justice, oh my God, there's a problem with Muslims. We need to go and find an imam. Like that's our first port of call. And I sort of think to myself, like, you know, if there was a problem with like white communities, your first port of call isn't, I'm going to go down the road to the vicar <laughs> and like drag him out and get him to sort of help us come up with a solution. And it's weird that there's this kind of, it's like reducing Muslims to right Muslims. Like who, who's the most accessible in terms of helping us find a solution? Let's go to... Let's go to the imam because that's where all Muslims go to mosques. They must know this imam and the imam must have all the answers. And I don't mm -hmm. know if you've had that kind of, in your writing, you've kind of explored that. It's a weird one because um, an imam is not the first person <laughs> I would go to. In fact, my imam hates me. My, my nickname is Amna Kudabra. So every time he sees my parents, he's always like, oh, is it because you wish she would disappear too? It's oh, like, wow. great. Uh, he has good banter. I'll give him that. Yeah. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> It's just strange representation wise because I feel like for such a long time and I was very guilty of it, I did feel like one in one out. So you can only one representation yeah. at a time. It was Mindy Kaling, Jamila Jamil, um, Aziz Ansari, like you you that was it. You were popular and then it was on to the next one. So I think it breeds a lot of contempt and jealousy and envy mm. because they want us to believe there's not enough room for mm. all of us. Um and now I've managed to like unlearn that and I, I I think the more of us, the better, because it will help combat this representation issue. And hopefully they will stop going to imams and such and realise that we're not one dimensional people. We are very well rounded and we all have the different problems and the same problems. So, um, And kind of recognise there's loads of t different types of knowledge. Yeah, exactly. In and like, how do you find that? Like, you know. Yeah. And it's not often recognised. Yeah, something really frustrates me personally um, that I, I really struggle to talk about because I, I never know if it's going to be taken the wrong way is that my sister is very content in her faith, but I go in and out of it. Sometimes I think, oh, maybe I'm an agnostic, maybe I'm atheist. And other times I'm like, no, this is cool. And then other times I'm like absolutely terrified that I'm going to hell. And then other times I'm terrified I'm sending my parents to hell. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, nah, heaven's going to be chill. This is great. Um, so like I go in and out of it. I have have a lot to deal with and a lot to think about. And I hate that I'm supposed to just know. Like you can be a lapsed Catholic. You can be, um, you can be Jewish, but just on holidays. But if you're Muslim, you have to be like a hardcore doctrine Muslim. You can't just be a Muslim who's trying to figure it out. Mm. Because why am I supposed to have all the answers? Like everyone deals with things differently, mm. and it means that you i've often felt suffocated because people look to me for answers I'm like i don't have them i'm still looking for them yeah. but because we've been taught that if you're muslim then you must know everything then you you end up feeling like a fraud and i know i do so whenever i'm invited to do muslim things i'm like i often wonder like do i have the right to mm -hmm. because i don't know where i stand every day yeah. and i'm still figuring it out um yeah I that guess, is something yeah. i wish there was more nuance around yeah. Because it doesn't, it's a very strange experience to be seen as an authority on something that 
you're still learning mm -hmm. yeah. because I, I feel like you never stop learning yeah. really um i think it's yeah. also part of a i think there is a problem where i think a kind of industry has developed as well like after 9 11 where unfortunately there have been like sort of individual muslims who have put themselves forward as being like mm. this is this is what the this is what the community this is the muslim experience yeah. you and must we, be this tall to mm, rate this yeah. mm. and i feel sorry for imams as well because some because like we know like we've met some amazing imams who work really really hard but they tend to be like either right help us or you're all really bad like you're like yeah. like you know dishing out loads of kind of like radical literature and it's like you can't you can't just keep like yeah but i guess that's also like that's part of the that the system is that way to to maintain that kind of like what i'm gonna say that one in one out yeah. thing yeah. where it's like it's it's in the interest of like the mainstream media and it's in the interest of this government to maintain a small number of eg particularly imams mm. who are circulating and particular imams with particular views who get wheeled out at particular moments that yeah. are all very strategic and not just imams right yeah like, I mean, exactly it, i mean there is and some, I, yeah. yeah and i guess in terms of what amna was saying about um feeling less than in terms mm. of like because of like wherever you're at in your own journey with faith when you're asked to kind of like speak to something. And I guess that is, you know, it is, it is, I know that sense of kind of like imposter syndrome. And I remember last year I did the, um, the prayer for the day on Radio 4 for like a week at the start of Ramadan. And I remember I was like, I was like, oh, like I had an incredibly strong imposter syndrome around that. And then I was just like, look, we like, it is that sense of just being like, we can't keep this sense of like gatekeeping of like, what like is is authority on a particular thing and it's in the interest of everyone in a in a religion or in a society to hear as many points yeah, of view exactly. as many perspectives as many kind of like um reflections on what that set of values means to you and could mean to speak to your daily life but i feel like we do it to ourselves as yeah, well we that's do. the frustrating mm -hmm. yeah. thing and that's that speaks wider to the wider south asian mm. community for me as well as the muslim community which is obviously um this like a separate thing but um, we, we are very quick to tear each other down because mm -hmm. we're not used to this. We're still learning the ropes. So I every time I put something out in the world, I know I'm immediately going to get backlash because mm -hmm. I'm not the right Muslim for this type of Muslim. So I feel like we're caught in the middle between these people who are saying you're not Muslim enough to represent us and then these people who want you to be this specific type of Muslim yeah. to represent everyone. And I will have a, a like a bone to pick with a lot of Muslim men who happen to write female characters as um, dowdy, um, submissive, uninteresting, passed over for the trophy. And that really annoys me because you're doing it to us. Yeah. Which is great now because I now have the power to write them as gelled hair, <laughs> excellent, you have the car, <laughs> yeah. gold chains, no job, like it's great. <laughs> You do it to us. It's just, it's really frustrating because even when mm. outsiders are doing it to us, it's our own community is mm. doing it to us too. Yeah, I hear that. So, yeah, I was, yeah, I was chatting about that with a friend recently where I kind of caught myself being like critical of this particular like editor. Um, and then I was like, and then, yeah, and in this chat, then my, my, my friend was just like, but look, like, we do this to ourselves. Like, we like we can't keep tearing each other down because there seems to be less places for us yeah. to kind of be in that. Or we hold ourselves to a higher standard than general. There's so much, like, crap but out I just there. Want to be There's so many people talking. Exactly. But we, like, we hold yeah. ourselves to these really, like, high standards. And there's something in that as well to be checked in yeah. terms I'm of... I'm guilty yeah. of it. I make fun of um, Sajid Javid so much. But he's allowed to be that 
a terrible human being, right? He's got nothing to do yeah. with his Muslimness or lack of Muslimness. But I feel but like also. sometimes I'm like, oh God, maybe I'm doing it because like he is allowed to be his, but then also him. Yeah. And if I can make a joke at his expense, shouldn't I? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Agreement. So, yeah. <laughs> so as this is a, a podcast about the future and we've kind of like shown a particular version of the future, if you could imagine... A future what, what would it a muslim future it would muslim be thanos would click his fingers and all the men would disappear Ooh. and women would fix society dismantle the patriarchy uh implement like proper functional rules and then save the men and make them behave that is the wow. future the future isn't just muslim the future is muslim women sorry that's a beautiful future. I'm there, Anna. <laughs> yeah. You had I'm your not heart. there. I'm not there. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. 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 Thank you so You've much, Amna. Thank you, Amna. Take care. Thanks Take for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye.